Yo, welcome back, everybody. How's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? The IKP is back in full effect. The IKP is back in full effect. Let's get into it. Let's get started. I'm your humble and highly favored host, Isaiah Kitt of the IKP, the Isaiah Kitt Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Um, man, oh, man. So, we got a lot to get into the, into today. Uh, I hope everybody out there is doing fine and well. Boy, boy, oh boy, has a lot transpired since the last time I've talked to you guys. Since the last, I since the last time I talked to you guys, a lot, and I mean a lot, has transpired. Uh, I'm going to get into LeBron James' tweet. Uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And should the NBA do something? Should Adam Silver do something? I'll touch on that. Uh, Baker and the Browns. I haven't talked about Baker and the Browns much this offseason, so I'm going to talk about that. Um, and some more, and some other, you know, various topics that we're going to de- that we're definitely going to touch on today. So it's a Saturday pod. You know how we give it up, but um, it, I would it, it would be remiss, it would be just remiss of me if I did not mention. Um, the tragic, the tragic passing of Terrence Clark. Um, if you did not know, there was a, a Terrence Clark is he was a he was a phenom high school basketball player, um, five star recruit. <clears throat> Went to Kentucky with John Calipari for one year, obviously, and point guard six four, and he he you know he was. He, he entered into the NBA draft and he was going to presumably be drafted. He was going to be, he was going to be an NBA. He was going to get drafted into the NBA. Um, and you was going to hear his name called in this year's NBA draft. So he passed away tragic, just tragedy, um, in a car accident, a fatal car accident on, um, on Thursday in Los Angeles. So, and I, and I, and, I never I I don't I didn't have a relationship with Terrence Clark, but I do have mutual friends. I have friends that were that were really close to Terrence Clark. Um and I know this kind of hit the basketball world just in I mean just in awe because like I said, standout player, standout freshman at Kentucky, uh five-star recruit NBA guy, he was supposed to be. He was. He was probably. He was going to hear his name called in the NBA draft. And I just prayers to his family, prayers to his loved ones, prayers to his friends, because it's that was that is such a tragedy and such just a bad, just a a very sad story. Um, to a guy that was very joyful. Um, you know, playful. And really a good guy from 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 my accounts, just really a good stand up guy, and obviously a phenomenal basketball player. But from what I hear, he is a better person, better person, great great basketball player, but even a better person and a fierce competitor. So um, I, I just I just wanted to mention the passing of Terrence Clark at the beginning of the episode. I did not want to wait until, you know, at the end. No, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to bring it up. So, and it, like I said, it hit the basketball world hard because this kid had a lot of potential. Terrence Clark, a lot of potential. He was going to be drafted. That's, 
we all know the draft is life changing. It's uh, it's it changes basically the whole course of your family and generation. And I just feel bad for his loved ones. And I can only only imagine what his mom and his parents feel at this moment. So my condolences and prayers up to Terrence Clark and his family, loved ones and friends. And I saw this tweet regarding uh, Terrence Crawford and what the NBA should do. And it reads, the NBA should add an extra pick to the second round to the second round of this year's draft and give that pick to the Celtics so they can draft Terrence Clark, a Boston native, allow his family to move the moment allow him to be a part of his hometown team that seems like the right way to honor him absolutely um absolutely i told i think I, I agree with that i agree with that i totally agree with that okay so let's i'm, I'm gonna dive into this lebron james topic this lebron lebron james tweet and you know my mom told me she still does you know pick and choose your battles wisely pick and choose your battle battles wisely um I think there's this commercial with like Kenny Rogers. I think I think that's his name, right? Kenny Rogers, and he's like you got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away. You know, it's in certain situations you got to know when to hold him, when to fold him, and when to walk away. Um, and this would have been a great example of it, of picking and choosing your battles correctly. And LeBron, and this is also, it goes back to another point of having the facts. Because LeBron James put out a tweet, posted a tweet that was then, that was then later deleted in regards to the fatal shooting of Micaiah Brown, who was 16 years old. Um, she was, this, this shooting incident happened in Columbus, Ohio. Um, but LeBron's tweet consisted of a picture of Officer Nicholas Reardon with a caption of your next with an hourglass emoji and hashtag accountability, right? And I'm sure a lot of you guys, this, this story has been circulating and circulating and so forth, right? So we also have body cam footage of Officer Reardon. Getting out of the car because someone called nine one one. Brian is then saw is is saw then swinging a knife wildly at another female. Officer Reardon then yells, "Get down!" Multiple times. Uh, Brian would then charge at another female who's pinned up against the car, and then that's where Reardon fires shots and. Micaiah Brown Bryant is down, dead, right? Fatally shot. And LeBron James in his tweet said, You're next with the picture of the officer and saying with the hourglass emoji and accountability, right? Okay, so after that deleted tweet, LeBron then says, Anger doesn't do any of us good, and that includes myself. 
all the facts and educating does though my anger still is here for what happened to that little girl my sympathy goes out to that family and may justice pre uh, prevail uh, i'm i'm so damn tired of seeing black people killed by the police i look i took down that tweet because it's been it's being used to create more hate this isn't about one officer it's about an entire system that always use the words to create oh, okay 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 you get the point this is the this is an example of lebron james being overzealous not having all of the facts and at this point he should just be embarrassed lebron james should be embarrassed and you guys know i like lebron you guys know i love lebron but with these tweets, it's embarrassing. And he says, hey, in his tweet about the officer, he said accountability. Well, LeBron, what about your accountability? Because you you didn't have all of the facts. You 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 went out and put out you put out an, a reactionary tweet. You put out a reactionary tweet. In regards to the situation, once again, that you did not have all the facts to. And you were wrong. And sorry for the mispronunciation of Micaiah Bryant. Um, I said Brown in, um, in, in the beginning when explaining this situation. But all LeBron had to do, literally, all LeBron had to do was just say, was just genuinely apologize for the miscorrection. And yeah, was the damage already done with the tweet? Sure. The damage was already done with the tweet. But instead of LeBron coming out and just saying, hey, owning up to it, I apologize. I didn't have all the facts. I didn't have all the full details to this particular story. My bad. Instead, he continued on to ramble, ramble, and ramble, and ramble on for just nonsense. Just nonsense. And he, he's, talk, he's talking about things that has nothing to do with this particular situation because he was devoid of facts. He was devoid of facts. When he made that tweet, he was devoid of facts. And, you know, so with LeBron... He has, and get this, he has nearly 50 million followers on Twitter. 50 million. That's a, that's a, that's a huge following. That's a huge reach. He can reach a lot of people. 50 million followers on Twitter. And with that one tweet, LeBron James made Officer Dearden, Reardon, excuse me. He, he made Officer Reardon a mark man. So basically, that's inciting violence. That's inciting violence. That's that's inciting violence one on one, right? And this whole story overall sucks. It sucks. the 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 story sucks. You you hate for someone to have to die. You hate it, right? It, it's a bad story all around. But LeBron is just so his his minor focus and his focus was just solely upon Micaiah Bryant. And yeah, I don't want to diminish her passing away, but what about the girl? What about the other young lady 
who could have been stabbed to death? What about the other young lady that was being approached with a deadly weapon? What about that young lady? Hmm? Uh, you know, people have you know people haven't thought that far yet. People haven't gotten to that far yet. We just so we 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 worry about our our, our attention spans are so s small, um, as in society as a society where we you know we we worry about the minor focus. But in in like I said, I don't want to diminish Micaiah Bryant and her passing. But what about the girl who almost got stabbed to death? The police officer actually saved a life, and 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 you often got to put yourself in the shoes. What if that was your daughter, and your daughter was on the side of the attack, where your daughter is being attacked by a knife? She's getting she's getting attacked by a knife by another young lady, and the police arrives on the scene. What would you want the police to do? What would you want the police to do? You would want the police to do what he did. You would want Officer Reardon, what he did, you would want the police to do. You would want him to stop the situation. And first, you would want him to de-escalate the situation, right? That's what he did. He, he, he yelled. He said, hey, put the weapon down, get down, so forth. She didn't do that. She continued to pursue. That's where he shot. So when you put yourself in this predicament and you and you put yourself in these shoes, ask yourself, if that was your daughter who was getting attacked by a knife, what would you want that particular police officer to do? <laughs> and we live in a society where we 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 just we just absolutely demonize the police. At times, at times we, at times we demonize the police, and 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 before anybody takes that out of, con out of context, are there some bad police officers out in the world? Absolutely, have black people for a long, for a very long time have black people been misjudged and mischaracterized by law enforcement? Absolutely, correct, correct, and correct, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But this is not this situation. This is not this situation. This is not the situation. LeBron went into this situation where he had no facts. He didn't. He didn't know the complete story. At least allegedly, that's what that's what that's what's being reported. He didn't know all the facts. But instead of him coming out and saying, "Hey, you know." I didn't have the facts. I didn't have all the facts. I didn't have all the details to this particular story. I just went head first into social media and I tweeted away. And it was it was a reactionary and overzealous tweet. Because that's exactly what it was. Overzealous, reactionary, um a, 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 hor a horrible tweet. And like I said, he deleted the tweet, but like the internet and social media, like you really can't delete stuff. Once it's out there, once it's put out there into the universe, it's like it's out there. You know, it's out there, especially with, the, like I said, the huge following that LeBron James has. It's out there. 50 million followers plus the retweets. It's out there. Trust me. <laughs>
And like I said, the damage would have been done, but at least we can go back off of LeBron's apology. We can't even go back off of LeBron's apology because he didn't apologize. <laughs> he didn't apologize. He didn't come out and say, hey, I was wrong. He didn't say it. He didn't say he didn't come out and say, hey, I was wrong. He didn't say I was wrong on this particular on this particular situation. I didn't have all the facts. <laughs> he did. And this comes off very hypocritical of LeBron. It, it, it comes off very hypocritical on LeBron. And it just goes back to the situation. The, you know, the little situation in February. With Ibrahimovic. With Zlata Ibrahimovic. Remember back in February, some um, Zlata broke the internet with his comment, and you know, everybody was going out to Zlata, and he said, Hey, politicians, athletes should stick to playing just stick to playing sports that they're good at, and politicians should deal with politics, right? He said, Politics, he's basically going after LeBron, and LeBron, you know, LeBron didn't take that too likely. LeBron didn't take that too likely. And I'm going to touch more on that later on in, the ep- in this episode. But <clears throat> this also strikes a question like, hey, what does the NBA do? What does the NBA do? What is Adam Silver going to do? 50 million followers. With that tweet, he incited violence. He basically made Officer Reardon a marked man. What does the NBA do next? What's the NBA's next step? That would be my question. But, like, okay. And and, and, and to go back off the situation, I hate to break it to you. I really do. I hate to break it to you. Because people continue to talk about, hey, Micaiah Bryant and this. I hate to break it to you. And and like I said, it's 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 such a sad story all around. But I don't care what color, like, I don't care who you are. If if you have a deadly weapon, if you are pursuing somebody with the deadly weapon, and then the police arrives on the scene and they yell, hey, put the weapon down. Hey, get down. And they continue to do that, and you don't do it, and you continue to pursue the person with a deadly weapon, you're going down for the count. You don't, you're going down for the count. At that point, at that point, the, the, the police have to do what it takes to save a life. They have to do what it takes to protect a life. I don't care who you are. I don't care what color you are. If you're white, you're black, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're Asian, you're orange, purple. I don't care what color you are, what color, what race. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter. When you when, when when you are pursuing somebody with a deadly weapon and you don't stop when the police yell stop or get down, you're going down for the count. You, you you're gonna get you're gonna get shot in some form or fashion, and you're gonna you, you're going down for the count. You're going down for the count. Simple. It's as simple as that. As simple as that. So I hope that's a. I mean, we gotta. We just gotta be more aware more self-conscious on LeBron's behalf, especially with the huge mega following, the mega following, you know, got to be more conscious, got to be more self We got to have more self-awareness, but this is bad. This is, this is not a good look. 
you know, it's not a good look. And I'm gonna touch more um, in depth on, and I'm gonna get more in depth with as far as like what steps should the NBA take, or are they gonna even take any steps? Because LeBron's face of the league. But I'm I'm gonna touch more on that on um on later on in this episode. But LeBron, this was LeBron. This 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 tweet was embarrassing. It was outright embarrassing. This tweet was over. It was an example of being overzealous, overzealous to the fullest, to the fullest extent, to the fullest extent. It was. It, it's a tweet that shows, hey, LeBron was being overzealous. He was being overzealous. Did not have all the facts. And for a guy, for LeBron, a guy who has put himself within the political rim. Because that's what LeBron has. He's ultimately thrust his way into the political realm. And I'm not saying LeBron can't speak on social issues. I'm not saying LeBron can't uh, talk about social injustices and so forth. He should continue to do so, but do it in the right way. Do it in the right manner. Have all of the facts. Have all of the supporting details. But like I said, LeBron has thrust himself into this goes back to the Ibrahimovic message and episode where I said, hey, LeBron has entered into the political arena. He has. No, no matter how you want to chop it, he has thrust himself and put himself within the political arena. And with that, there comes with certain backlash. It's a dirty game. Politicians are going to be politicians. Simple as that. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's such a. And this, with this particular story, it's a bad, it's a sad story. But Micaiah Bryant was going after somebody with a knife, and with LeBron, I guess LeBron totally missed that. I guess LeBron totally missed that whole premise. He, I think, I guess he just missed that whole point, and that's why. His apology should have been genuinely. It should have been a genuinely. It should have been a genuine pop apology. It shouldn't have been. I'm. I'm just gonna cover my ass. No. 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 He should have been genuine. He should have been a genuinely apologizing, not just trying to cover up for himself. No. 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 Because that those follow up tweets were. They were just. They were. They were. He was just rambling. Boy. Oh boy. And for my regular, so I, I I got some new listeners. I got some new listeners. And for you newbies, you guys don't know my love for Baker Mayfield. Now, for my regular listeners, you guys know that I'm very critical of Baker Mayfield. For my regular listeners, you guys know that. You guys know that. But for my New listeners that haven't heard me talk much about the Browns and Baker and Baker's performances and so forth, you guys don't know about my Baker rants, my Baker Mayfield rants. So Baker and the Browns, the, the Browns picked up his fifth-year option, which is a wor- which is worth about $18 million. And and, and, that, and when you think about it, for a quarterback, $18 million is really cheap. <laughs> like, that's cheap. So 
that that they, you know, that's a deal. The Browns picked up his fifth year option, which was pretty like obvious. Like, of course, the Browns are going to pick up his fifth year option. Um, and now there's this question, and for and and so the fifth year option, Baker will be a Brown up until the 2022 season, right? So now we have this whole situation and questioning, like, are the the Browns committed to Baker Mayfield (laughs) long-term? Are the Browns committed to Baker long-term, right? And let 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 me describe it for you guys. Baker and the Browns are still in the dating stage. They're still in the dating stage. Because basically, with the fifth-year option, what the Browns are trying to tell you, they're trying to tell you, I mean, we like Baker. We don't love him, but we like him. Let's see what happens over the next couple seasons, right? Let's see what happens these next two years. And then we'll be able to tell, like, if we want to move forward with the relationship or not. But right now, the Browns are still, Baker is still in the dating stage. He's not, he, he's not in the marriage stage yet. He's still in the dating phase. Still trying to see what he got. Let me tell you who's in the marriage stage. Let me tell you who's married. Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, they're married. That's, that, they're in the marriage stage, right? Patrick Mahomes played two seasons. After those two seasons, you know, you know what Kansas City did? Kansas City made him he, Kansas City made him the richest man in the sport after two seasons. You know. So Deshaun Watson, his performances, his play, the Texans signed him to a long-term deal automatically. And there's gonna be other quarterbacks. That get paid before Baker. Like you look at guys like Lamar. Um, even though Lamar kind of has a lot of people have questions about Lamar and his postseason success or lack thereof. Um, obviously Josh Allen. There's gonna be quarterbacks even in Baker Mayfield's draft that's gonna get that's gonna get paid. Um, but what the Browns are telling you, and what the Browns are trying to tell us. The Browns are trying to tell us we have a Super Bowl level roster. And I'm not saying the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying the Browns are going to get to the Super Bowl. But when you look at the roster from top to bottom, they're telling you we believe we have a Super Bowl quality, a Super Bowl level roster. And you look at it, you, you, the Browns have one of the best, if not the best, offensive line. Pro Football Focus rated it and graded it as the highest. They were the highest graded offensive line in football last year. Not to mention with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, Bale Cow, Kareem Hunt, amazing. Two great, two just durable backs that Baker has behind him along with that offensive line. Along with OBJ for now, um, you have Jarvis Landry, you have Austin Hooper, you have David Njoku. The weapons continue to they they you know nothing but weapons, 
And then you look at what they have on the defensive side of the football. On the defensive side of the football, obviously, superstar Miles Garrett, absolutely. But then you added, you look at you look at a guy that they added in John Johnson. John Johnson, one of the better young safeties in football. They took him away from the Rams. He signed, um, became a free agent, and they signed him in free agency. And then Jadavion Clowney. Now, now, granted, Clowney, he isn't a great player. And as far as like coming with him coming into the draft, um, he he he's underachieved. Clowney, Clowney has underachieved um, his expectations coming into the draft and when he got first, when when he first got drafted it kind of reminds me uh it kind of reminds me of the Andrew Wiggins situation where like people thought Andrew Wiggins was going to be the next biggest thing and Andrew Wiggins throughout his career he's under he's underachieved he's underachieved and underperformed now he's not a bad player Andrew Wiggins he's a relatively good player but he's not what people thought he would be coming out of the draft and that goes back, and that kind of that's kind of similar with Clowney. Clowney had high, people had high hopes, high expectations for Clowney coming into coming out of the draft. So many people, he was so electrifying, but since but in his NFL career, he has underperformed. He has underachieved. He has, but nevertheless, he's still a relatively good player. Clowney's still a good player. He's just not as valued, and he was he overvalues himself, and he in his draft stock and the expectations were overvalued. But the Browns don't want to risk paying Baker Mayfield this large lump sum and this chunk of money when they have uh, when they have this window of hey we can possibly do something. Not to mention Kevin Stefanski. That's the most important piece. Kevin Stefanski really changed the Browns culture. He he changed their identity as far as what they like the Browns coming into the season. I told you guys, they were going to be a team that ran the football. That was that that's what their success was going to be dependent on, running the football, and that's what Kevin Stefanski did. I I mean it was easy. Kevin Stefanski Ran the football in Minnesota. You know, he dealt with average to below average quarterbacks. That's what he did. He ran the football. He ran the football. And, you know, even though you guys know, you guys know that I'm, I'm highly critical and highly skeptical of Baker Mayfield, but the Browns had a good year. They had a good year last year. They got to the playoffs. They won a playoff game. They went up to Kansas City, made that really competitive. But guess what? I predicted that they were going to be a playoff team. I predicted that the Browns were going to win 10 games. I predicted the Browns were going to win 10 games. They won 11, and they got to the playoffs. They got to the playoffs. They were a they were a good team last year. So the Browns are looking at this, this window, this stretch right here, and they're like, okay, we're not totally in love with Baker. Like, they're still in the dating stage. There's, there's, that's, how the, that's how you put it. They're still in the dating stage. They're not ready to – the Browns are not ready to sign off and give Baker a large deal, especially with this opportunity. This is so, – so the fifth-year option, the Browns picking up the fifth-year option was a no-brainer. It was absolutely no-brainer. Of course they wouldn't do it. 
But when you look at this situation with the Browns and their roster, why would you pay Baker Mayfield at this point? Why would you? Because he's the number one draft. He's the, he, he, he was the number one overall draft pick, right? And yes, he played good last year. But throughout Baker's career, consistency, consistency, the lack of consistency has been the problem. That's been the, that's been the nitpick with Baker Mayfield. It's not consistent. Now, I am, I'm, I'm willing to shoot Baker Mayfield some bail because I think back to a guy um, like Alex Smith. Alex Smith, his first, like, five years in the league, Alex Smith was a bust. He, he was a bust. Alex Smith was the number one overall pick in 2005, right? Got drafted in his first year, 2005. You look at Alex Smith, you look at his first five years, Alex Smith was a bust. Literally, he was a bust. Under Mike Singletary and Mike Nolan, he was a bust. And I think he had like five different offensive coordinators. Obviously, that's not that's 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 not sustainable. That's not consistency. That's not consistent. And that matters. But the moment that Jim Hallball came to San Francisco, the moment that that the moment that Alex Smith joined Andy Reid in Kansas City, he turned his career down. He he literally turned his career around. He literally turned his career around. Those two years in San Francisco with Jim Harbaugh, guess what? He won 19 games. He went 19, excuse, yeah, he went 19 and 5. 19, 5 and 1 in his, in, 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 in his two years with Jim Harbaugh. 19, 5 and 1. So consistency matters because coaching matters in the league. And I, I try to I try to stress stress it as much as I can, but coaching matters. Coaching matters within the, within the NFL. So I do I am willing to shoot Baker some bail because he had some he had some in, he, like he had some incompetent coaches and it, Freddie Kitchens is right at the top of that list. Freddie Kitchens was over his head with this head coaching job, over his head, over his skis, over just totally over it. He he was not built for the job. Hugh Jackson, you know, he had his struggles and so forth. So I I I you know I am in in, in Baker also had Greg Greg Williams. So Greg Williams. So I mean I'm not I'm not I, I'm not gonna bang on the consistency part. But think about it. Ask yourself: Is Baker Mayfield a top five quarterback? No. Is Baker Mayfield a top ten quarterback? No. Is Baker Mayfield an elite quarterback? No. Is Baker Mayfield a top 15 quarterback? Mm-hmm. Some pop some people would probably argue yes. Some probably some would probably argue no. Well, the range that I, that I think Baker Mayfield is in, I think he's in that 12 to like 17 range. That's the range that Baker Mayfield is in. He's in that 12 to 17 range. And if you know anything about the NFL, you know that's the last team a team wants to do. A team doesn't want to sign the 15th best quarterback to a large deal. Because then you won't be able to put the roster around him in order for him to be successful. 
So Baker, and he's not, and Baker is certainly not the worst quarterback of the league, but he's not in the elite class. He's not a top five guy. He's not a top 10 guy. And he's barely cracking the top 15 in some people's eyes, maybe. So, yeah, Cleveland is smart. Um, They're smart for, you know, picking up the fifth-year option. They're going to play it. They're going to play this thing out as they should. But you got to ask yourself, with Baker, as number one overall pick, has he underachieved or overachieved? And, yeah, he got drafted to Cleveland. And, like, Cleveland quarterbacks have been so bad. The Browns quarterbacks have been so bad for so long. It's where Baker, Baker, I mean, he's only two games over 500. Baker has a career record of 24 and 22. 24 and 22. That's that's barely above 500. So Browns, but Browns fans would take that because they haven't had a quarterback in the last, since God knows when. Since Kozar, since Bernie Kozar. They haven't had a quarterback since Bernie Kozar. They haven't had a quarterback since Bo- <laughs> Like, the Browns will take that. The Browns will take that. It would take that in a heartbeat. But it do, it does speak to, hey, the Browns haven't they haven't done anything. They haven't got they haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> and that and it, it, they haven't they haven't had a winning quarterback since Bernie Kosar. So Baker being two games over five hundred, it's like Christmas. Because the quarterbacks that they've had over the last several years, they've sucked. So, you know, the Browns, I think they're smart. Um, They're looking at the current situation that they have. And they're like, is Baker really our guy? And we like him. We like him a little bit. We like Baker a little bit. But we're not ready to give him a big-time deal. We're not ready to marry we're not ready to marry him. Big time, we're not ready to give him a big time deal. We're willing to give, you know, we're willing to pick up the fifth year option. So, and there's been some quarterbacks who haven't got a long term deal, but their fifth year options were picked up. Because team because certain teams, um, like f- for instance, Blake Bortles. You, Blake Bortles in Jacksonville had a really good roster. And he was good enough to win regular season games. But is he good enough to win your Super Bowl? No. And that's the thing that Baker has to answer. Baker, if he wants a big-time deal, Baker's going to have to go out there and get it because they don't want to – the Browns are not going to put all their coins in this one token. They're not going to put all this, their coins in this one basket with Baker. So they're looking over the next couple years because you look at this upcoming draft, not this year's draft, but next year's draft, Next year's quarterback draft is not as good as this one. So the Browns are like, okay, we'll give Baker two years. Let's see what he does. So moved on for the Browns, and let's go on to two more really good playoff caliber AFC teams. And the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City, they made a deal. We got a big-time trade. Big-time trade between the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. 
So let me just tell you this. Kansas City got offensive tackle Orlando Brown Jr. Um, and the Ravens, in, the, in exchange, got a first-round pick for this year. Twenty, They got a 2021 first-round pick, 2021 third-round pick, and a 2021 fourth-round pick, along with a 2022 fifth-round pick. KC, Kansas City, they got Orlando Brown Jr., obviously, offensive tackle, and uh, a second. And then they exchanged fifth and sixth-round picks. So, in totality, it's kind of a win-win deal. It's kind of a win-win deal. Let's just let, I'm, I'm gonna explain Kansas City. Kansas City, obviously, we <laughs> everybody saw the Super Bowl. Literally, everybody saw the Super Bowl, and it was glaring. It was a glaring weakness that uh, anybody that wanted to get the Patrick Mahomes on Super Bowl Sunday, they did. Uh, <laughs> it was it, the, the offensive line was just it was it was it was in shambles. Kansas City's offensive line was in shambles, and they had Patrick Mahomes running for his life, like running for his life. So it, it, it was it was crazy. You guys remember? So obviously, Kansas City's number one object objective this offseason fix. The offensive line. Upgrade the offensive line. So they got Orlando Brown Jr. He wanted to play left tackle. And that's going to lead me to the Baltimore Ravens side. This has been a developing story. Um, it, it happened right before the draft. Uh, like literally a week before the draft. And there's been, you know, there's, like I said, this has been a, de a developing story. Orlando Brown Jr., he been wanted to play left tackle. Um, he played left tackle last year a little bit because Ronnie Stanley had a season-ending injury. So the Ravens had to put him at left tackle. But obviously, the Ravens already have their long-term left tackle, which is Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley is their long-term left tackle, and they just paid him big bucks. Before the Trent Richard, before the Trent Williams deal, Ronnie Stanley, the Baltimore Ravens made Stanley the highest paid left tackle ever. So that's clearly their guy. Orlando Brown Jr., prior to Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley's injury, he was playing right tackle and he wanted to play left tackle. Mind you, Orlando Brown, Orlando Brown Jr., his dad played offense. He hit his dad played offensive tackle as well. But Orlando Brown Jr. wanted to play, like I said, he wanted to play left tackle. He gets a chance to play left tackle at Kansas City. It's also his contract year. So what position can make the most money or can make him the most money? Left tackle. So it's a. It, I feel like it's a win-win deal for both teams. Uh, Kansas City, they're fixing their their one glaring weakness on offense, which is um, lack of the offensive. You know, the offensive line, which, like I said, was in shambles, and they're fixing that piece by piece by piece. They took it. They they you know Orlando Brown, he's a good left tackle. He's a good offensive lineman. He's a he's a good he's a good tackle. He's not as good as Ronnie Stanley. 
He's not as good as Bakhtiari. He's not as good as Trent Williams. He's not as good as those guys, but he's a solid left. He's a solid tackle. He's a solid he's a solid tackle. I do think he kind of overestimates his value. Um like I think I think he may he may overestimate overestimate his value just a notch, but he's a good left tackle. So Kansas City desperately needed that. Baltimore got, you know, some picks in exchange. Um but Big time, like I said, big time Trey and, and, and Orlando Brown Jr. Oh my goodness, he, he he's a, he's a he's a big guy. He's a big guy. He 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 blocks the sun. Like Orlando Brown Jr. is a big guy. <laughs> he's a big guy, and he I think he uh he 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 fit. He he was a he was a great fit for Baltimore's scheme and system because Baltimore ran the ball a lot. They ran the ball a lot. And like I said, Orlando Brown is a big guy. <laughs> Orlando Brown Jr. is a big guy. He, 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 yeah, yeah, he's a big dude. So he did that. That happened. Um, and with Kansas City, even though we all know Kansas City is not as run heavy as Baltimore, it's still a system that I can see him like Andy Reid will make it work. I, I, I it's a system that I think he'll work. Fine in. Um, like I said, he's not as good as he's not as good as Ronnie Stanley. It's a reason why Baltimore, you know, stuck with Ronnie Stanley even after the injury because like he's that you know he's that good. Ronnie Stanley's that good. Um, but and and I don't know if you guys notice or have noticed, but offensive linemen, every offensive lineman wants to play left tackle. <laughs> every. Every single offensive lineman wants to play left tackle. It's just like it's just like um it's just like every baseball player wants to play shortstop. Every single baseball player wants to play shortstop. I remember when the Yankees uh when the Yankees traded for Alex Rodriguez and uh, they, and him and Dirk Jeter were going to they were trying to figure out who was going to play shortstop and who was going to play third base. Well, yeah, uh, A-Rod wanted to play shortstop. Obviously, Derek Jeter was the shortstop, and A-Rod just elected to play third base. But it, it, it's one of those things. It's one of those, like, I want to be shortstop. I want to be left tackle. And every offensive lineman, they want to play left tackle. Like, most offensive linemen want to play left tackle. It's like one of those things. You guys remember when you was at recess, and everybody wanted to be the permanent quarterback? Like everybody wanted to be the quarterback. It's one of those things. It's one of those things with the offensive lineman where literally every not well, I'm not gonna speak for every offensive lineman, but most offensive linemen, they want to play left tackle because usually that's the that's the position on the offensive line that gets a lot of the love. Um, as I said, as I mentioned, those are those are usually the highest paid offensive offensive line position. And it's just one of those aesthetic things, I guess. It's one of those aesthetic things where you're blocking the blind side of your quarterback, and it's like I'm their protector, I'm their guarding. You know, it's one of those things. It's just like every baseball player wants to play shortstop. That's what it is. So big-time trade in the NFL, um, I feel like it's a win-win for both teams with Kansas City and Baltimore. 
Um, the Ravens, like I said, they got they got they get picks. They get the twenty. They got the twenty seventh pick. They already had the twenty seventh pick. Now they got the thirty first pick. So that's two first rounders this year. So that'd be pretty good. I mean, that's not bad for a good. That's not bad for. I mean, uh, it's not bad for a a, a a starting tackle. It's not bad. So Kansas City, they're upgrading a little bit. Baltimore, they got some pat. They got some draft picks. Um, because eventually. Like I said, it was Orlando Brown's contract year. He wanted to play left tackle. He was going to leave them high and dry. So, you know, what do you what you going to do? You're going to trade him, move him, so you can get some. You're going to you can get at least something for him, right? So, yeah. And I just want to, I just want to, I just want to bounce back on this LeBron topic because I I find it fascinating. And I and earlier I told you I I, I t- you know I was talking about. I was wondering, what is the NBA going to do about this? What is what is Adam Silver in the NBA going to do about this? How are they going to respond to this LeBron situation? And a part of that statement, when I said it, it was rhetorical. Because most likely, you know what they'll do? They're probably going to, they're probably not going to do nothing. <laughs> He's LeBron. He's the face of the league. He, you know, he he practically runs the league. He it, it's like he's Teflon Don. You know what I mean? Teflon Don. He's a he's the man around the league. But I know there's some um I know there's probably some executives around the league under the breath anonymously off the record saying, "Hey, this this is not good." That's not good. But it goes back to, and I and I mentioned this earlier in the pod, but it goes back to what I said, and it goes back to, you, you guys remember that I told you guys, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, that situation where Zlatan said, hey, um, athletes just stick to the sports that they're good at, good at and let politicians be politicians and handle politics. And he got a lot of heat for it. He took a lot of heat for it. But once again, this is LeBron, another situation, another example of LeBron being hypocritical. Um, and, and if you guys remember, right, if you guys remember correctly, when 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 Zlatan Ibrahimovic, when Zlatan said made that statement, LeBron's I I don't remember it correctly like verbatim, but his a paraphrase was like, "Hey, like I'm the wrong guy to come after because I do my homework." That's 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 paraphrasing what basically LeBron's response was to Zlatan. And in this particular situation, that was not the case. <laughs> LeBron just went on the Twitter and didn't do his homework with, and didn't have all of the facts, didn't have all of the necessary facts and details to this particular situation. So that's uh, that in itself is uh, is hypocritical. Uh, obviously, last last basketball season. The China incident, where obviously the and I mentioned this, I've talked about this already, but the NBA in China 
have they they they're they're in they're they're in each other's pockets. They have major alliances along with LeBron. LeBron didn't talk about he didn't he 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 was very he was he had the tap dance around that topic. So I say all this to say once again, pick and choose your battles wisely. And I talked about this with LeBron and the Zlatan issue or uh, comments rather because. LeBron has fully incorporated himself within the political sphere in 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 aroma. He's 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 entered into the political realm. Like he's he's part of the Democratic Party. <laughs> he's he's part of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party. He 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 has aligned himself with that, and with you doing that. You got to be consistent. You got to be consistent and you got to know what game you're playing. That's all. Not saying LeBron, I'm and I and by and by any means, I don't want this once again. I don't want this to get taken out of context. I'm not saying LeBron can't speak on social issues. I'm not saying LeBron isn't a good act like he's a Le- LeBron is a good activist. He's a good activist in a lot of his intentions and a lot of the things he say, I think intent the intent is in the right place at times. But I think he's very hypocritical. Um, in this particular in this particular situation with the tweet, he was reactionary. He did not do all of his homework or um, or fact checking. Uh, it, it, this tweet was embarrassing. And it did. It really did. It didn't do any justice. And he incited violence. <laughs> it didn't do any justice. So, and of course, the NBA media. That's another reason why I wanted to talk about it because the NBA media won't talk about it. The NBA media they love to coddle the star players. And I get it. I get it. I mean, and and when I say NBA media, I'm not talking about everybody within the NBA media. But there's a vast majority of NBA media members that carry the water of LeBron James. Sorry, simple as that, though. They carry the water of LeBron James. But time and time again, um, or at times, I don't want to say time and time again, but at times, when it comes to these type of issues and LeBron has offered to speak about them, there's often been some hypocrisy, and it's been very hypocritical, just like this most recent situation where LeBron is talking about this and that with the police, and it's clearly, clearly, if you had all the factual evidence, it's not this type of situation. Not the type of situation. So, yeah. Um... I'm starting to think about the Mac Jones thing. Okay, so we got another um, kind of a dev- yeah, kind of a devastating story concerning Kobe Bryant and his sneakers. And you guys, if you guys don't know, I'm a big time sneaker guy. I'm a big time sneaker guy. So like, like I, I, I like sneakers, <laughs> uh, but. 
So if you guys haven't known, if you I, I, I would assume that some of you guys do know, Nike and Kobe, their relationship has ended. Their contract, their uh, Kobe's contract had expired with Nike. And so there will be no more Nike products that will be released. I did see something on Vanessa Bryant's Instagram where they're they're supposed to be having two more Kobe drops, two more Kobe drops. Nike is supposed to have two more Kobe drops, but after that, I think the contract is expired. I think um I, I would not think I know for sure because that's what Vanessa Bryant said. Uh, Aaron, you know, the contract has expi- has expired. Um, and, and I just find, you know, I just wanted to talk about this. I mean, when Kobe, because when Kobe retired, he had five years left on his Nike deal. And you guys, you guys, if you, if you really think about it, um, sadly enough, when Kobe Bryant died in the helicopter crash, he was only like, he was only four years removed from basketball, from his playing career. So his like his retirement, it, it, it wasn't that long. And then he had and then he, you know, he had the horrific helicopter crash. So he still had five years left on his contract. Obviously, his estate, the Mumba estate and Vanessa Bryant, they handle his business doings of such. And actually, I'm going to read this to you guys. According to a source, Bryant and the estate had grown frustrated with Nike limiting the availability of Kobe products during his retirement after his 2020 death in the helicopter crash. There was also frustration with the lack of availability of Kobe footwear in kids' sizes, according to sources. So once again, there, you know, Nike and, and basically... Nike thrives off of off of limited release products. Like they have this sneakers app. I'm sure a lot of you guys know about sneakers app. I'm sure a lot of you guys know about the sneakers app, and it's it's not good at all. Sneakers app, it's not effective at all. You, you literally, there's bots that take up damn near most of the shoes if you're a legitimate person you probably (laughs) you probably got to get lucky to land a pair of sneakers on sneakers on the sneakers app because that's how limited they are so nike very often it's often they do this on the they do this on you know regularly uh, they have these limited releases, and since you know Kobe and his death, even so, even so, yeah, even since his death, they anytime they have released a Kobe, it has it's been limited. There's been a limited amount of pairs, so every person that wants a Kobe shoe can't get it. And I mean, I, that that's obviously would that obviously would bring up some type of ethical issues within nike um and and nike i mean boy oh boy i know i i know i spend money at nike i know a lot of people who spend a lot of money at nike and the mere fact that the availability or the lack thereof that's kind of that's 
it's it's not a good look on Nike's behalf. It's not a good look on Nike's behalf because you're gonna have fans and people looking at Nike, you know, crazy because it's not a good look. So, and and also Nike did not offer Kobe a lifetime deal. Obviously, Nike offered LeBron a lifetime deal. Obviously, Jordan has a lifetime deal. Kobe doesn't have a lifetime deal. And I don't know if you guys notice or pay attention to any, uh, you know, but if you pay attention to a regular NBA game, it doesn't have to be any particular. You pay attention to a regular NBA game, Most of, a lot of these players, I'm not going to say most, but a lot of these players wear Kobe's. They don't wear they don't they don't wear LeBron's. Some wear Jordans if they're sponsored, but a lot of a lot of these players they wear Kobe's. Like I think of um a guy like um Demar Derozan. Demar Derozan he wears nothing but Kobe's. Like nothing but Kobe's. Uh, Devin Booker he wears nothing but Kobe's. Uh, Anthony Davis he wears nothing but Kobe's. So there's a and there and and I, those are just names and players that I see often that wear Kobe's, but there's a bunch of players throughout the league that wear Kobe's on a consistent basis. So it's going to be interesting to see how that, how that plays out and how that translate. But uh, I'm going to leave you guys here. This is a Saturday pod. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the IKP, the Isaiah Kid podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I hope this episode was uh, useful and, um, you know, intriguing and so forth. Uh, just some sad stories, really um, sad stories. Terrence Clark, the passing of Terrence Clark in the fatal car accident. Boy, oh boy. Like I said, my heart, heart, prayers and condolences goes out to the family, friends and loved ones. Um, anybody that was involved with Terrence Clark, that that's a that's a horrific situation. Um, so we talked about a lot Saturday pod. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I will be back on Wednesday. I will try to be back on Wednesday. Um, right before the draft, right before the draft, I will try to be back for you guys. But without further ado, I'm gonna let you guys go. Peace, deuces. Always remember two choices, one decision. I am out, gone.